feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight it appears that the Russians are closing in on the capital city of Kiev. Everybody, you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. And what are your thoughts? Because the U.S. via Kamala Harris, the vice president, made clear in Poland today that the U.S. will not be helping to get those Russian MiG jets, those are the old jets, that the Poles have and that they want to hand over to Ukraine to help them in the fight. But now time is absolutely ticking as the Russians are closing in on the capital city. By the way, also some good news. Apparently, a number of Russian generals actually have been taken out. A number of serious commanders have been taken out. So there is definitely some good news in the middle of all of this. But still... The Ukrainians are feeling the squeeze. And when you look at what's been happening by the Russians, they are ramping up the attacks against the Ukrainian people. It is unbelievable. After all of the attacks that we have seen of late, and we've talked about the ones on the hospital, they believe that there's been almost 20 attacks on hospitals. And you're trying to tell me that Vladimir Putin each time just kind of missed his mark? That's kind of the message that's been coming from a number of people in the Kremlin. Is there anybody out there that believes that he just happened to be missing the mark every time? Take a listen to people in Mariupol. This is where that latest strike happened with that maternity hospital. And now, by the way, they have found out that just in the city of Mariupol, which is like about three to 400,000 people, they believe that Putin is starving them out. He has cut off electricity. He's cutting off water. And there are reports that at least 1,200 people have died in Mariupol. That is a stunning number, many of them, because they are just getting squeezed, not just from the shelling, but they are actually running out of supplies. It is a desperate and dire situation. So why is the world waiting to call him a war criminal? Why are we dancing around? Why don't we just call him a war criminal now? And then maybe they can go after Putin and arrest him. What are we waiting for, guys? What do you think? It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Are we going to wait till basically Ukraine is leveled potentially? If we're not going to give them the MiGs, we're not going to try to help get them the MiGs. By the way, I hope the polls somehow sneak them over the border in the dead of night. We're going to talk about that later, how they could get them there. But still, are we going to wait till the basically the country's leveled? There's no heat. There's no water. So it's basically pounded into the Stone Age. And then are we going to say, oh, well, maybe we should be then defending the Ukrainians full throttle. At that point, it will be way too late. How is history going to judge us? Take a listen. Here is Ukrainian native uh, Saloma Stafas, and she describes what the scene looks like at that hospital where it was leveled with women and children. It is unbelievable, some of these stories. Take a listen. 
somewhere um, in Bordanka, which is a Kiev region, very close to Irpin and that area. Um, the house had been shelled and it just collapsed and they, they are trapped underneath. Um, I think it's now a third day of that happening and people just can't get out. The, the machinery can't get there to free them. We don't know if they're alive. They're not getting food. They're not getting water. I think they're getting air because people outside can hear them. But uh, obviously Russians are not letting them in and they're not letting uh, any humanitarian help to go through. There are no green corridors. There's nothing that's been promised. And, and innocent people, innocent children are dying. Innocent people and innocent children are dying. And they're still trying to figure out who might be in the rubble. It's amazing. And there are so many people that are dying in that one particular city that they can't even keep track of it all. It is just so overwhelming that now they're doing mass graves because they don't want the people to just have their bodies just laying there on the side of the road. Isn't that horrible? It is so bad. There are so many bodies that they are actually putting them in a mass grave to cover up and protect the bodies and to try to do the best they can because they can't keep track and are not able to do private burials. And we're wondering if this guy is a war criminal. It's unbelievable. Here is President Zelensky, who is still speaking out so amazingly forceful about his country. And he says, this guy, Putin, is not a leader. He is not a human. They want us to feel like animals because they blocked our cities, the biggest cities in Ukraine, and uh, they blocked and, and, uh, because they don't want our, our people to get some food, water. Yesterday, for example, children, I don't know if you, if you know, the children in Mariupol was, mm-hmm. uh, the child uh, was dead. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, that, that, that is the idea of, of this operation, or, or I don't know how, how is Putin sp- telling about it. So that is the idea. To Ukraine, Ukraine, do do with Ukrainians animals, but, but but we are not. They are treating us like animals, and you would think after the world has been watching that Putin would go, oh well, maybe I shouldn't be doing it. Ah uh, ah uh, ah, uh. he has been stepping up his attacks. It is unbelievable. And by the way, a Russian prisoner of war says that he was told to shoot civilians. And that he was part of a unit that was went in to capture Kharkiv in three days before he was captured. And he says that he got orders to shoot civilians. Can you think about this? So if there's any questions, you know, listen to the Russian prisoners of war. The soldier said that they were told to, quote, open fire on the civilian population in Kharkiv, Ukraine, after they landed in Ukraine. That was at the beginning of Russia's invasion. So it wasn't even like they were waiting. It was like right at the very, very beginning. On February 24th, he says, we were given orders to basically shoot on sight, shoot whoever we wanted to. You've got your perfect witness here for war crimes. What are we waiting for? What is the world waiting for? Because soon after, like Slobodan Milosevic, when the whole issue happened with Kosovo and he was declared a war, well, guess what? Then it was open territory to go get him and round him up. And then not only the U.S., but also his opponents were rounding him up. He was actually technically a wanted criminal at that point. Don't you think what we're hearing from Vladimir Putin goes well beyond any realm of war? 
This slaughter of American civilians is unbelievable. Don't you think we need to put a stop to it and put a stop to it fast? Just call this Russian POW. Here's your first witness saying, yeah, I was told to shoot on site civilians. And I bet you there are thousands upon thousands of others. And what are we going to do? Are we going to wait till Kiev is leveled by the Russians who are clearly out to do whatever they can? And some of these stories are unbelievable that we are hearing in terms of the atrocities that are happening on the ground. They are just beyond the pale. I want to play a little bit. This is um, I want to cut, play cut 15. Um, this is, again, the uh, native there. This is the Ukrainian woman describing, again, a little more of what's happening on the ground. But when you see children and innocent civilians dying, this is outrageous. You can't begin to imagine what they feel that very moment and I never imagined in my life and you know I I come from a very political family and my grandfather had spent 27 years in camps fighting Russian regime uh, and I heard terrible stories about what Russia did in the past in our historical past but I could never imagine how cruel these people can really be and you hear now that there are rapes happening and obviously all those civilian deaths, and, and this is happening in 2022. And this this is beyond anything we could ever imagine. These people are just not humans. These people are not humans. And again, from the words of a Russian prisoner of war saying that he was told to shoot civilians when he went in to capture Kharkiv. This was not even at the early part of the war. This was near the very beginning when they landed in Ukraine, right at the beginning of the invasion on February 24th. Remember, that was one of the first cities that was being attacked in Ukraine. And now we have a soldier saying that we were told, quote, open fire on the civilian population. Does this sound like Putin is giving any modicum to war? War is always ugly, but this is well beyond the pale. I say let's declare him a criminal right now, a war criminal, round him up, send him to The Hague. And that's where Slobodan Milosevic died. You know, I mean, this is time. It is time to get tough. And there are talks about chemical warfare, chemical labs, biochemical labs, old Soviet labs that are there in Ukraine with other biochemicals and pathogens. And they're truly worried about that. And we're going to, like, wait? What is the reason we are waiting, guys? How is history going to judge us? I'm curious what you think as to where this is going. And if we wait too long, if we wait a few days, a few weeks, do you think you, Kiev is going to look like the city that you see in pictures now? It may not even look like anything recognizable on the map if it looks anything like what Mariupol looks like. Mariupol, you can't even see it. We could, were looking at satellite pictures earlier, and it was like that – Shopping center was leveled. That parking lot was leveled. It's a university that was leveled. Hospitals are leveled. And you're going to wait to see what he does. If that's a sample of what's to come, that's a minor microscope. You can bet it's going to be tenfold when he gets to the capital city of Kiev because President Putin knows that he is having a tough time with this war. And you could tell this is a man who is pulling out every ruthless trick in the book and he will unleash it all in the people in Kiev, and that could happen potentially in a matter of days. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222.
Let's go to let's go to um, let's go to Michael in New Jersey. Go ahead, Michael. Your thoughts about all this? Yes, uh, I would like to offer a completely different view. I think what Zelensky did is terrible. You know, there's a statement called "discretion is the better part of valor." There's certain battles you take on, and there's certain battles you don't. What Putin did, Putin threatened that he does not want to have Ukraine as part of NATO because he doesn't want missiles right next to his country, which is exactly what Kennedy said to Khrushchev in the Cuban Missile Crisis. All right. So, Michael, I got to interrupt you because the whole purpose for NATO was to defend against aggression toward the NATO countries. So Putin, you know, nobody was saying we're going to go in on Russia. Did you hear anybody say we're ready to attack Russia tomorrow? It was the other way around. I hear what you're saying, why why Putin is trying to justify it, but there was no action by NATO. I'm talking about a, a military threat or a military action in terms of we're going to go in. There was none of that. And even Ukraine, there was nothing. They weren't saying, oh, we're going to take over Russia. Suddenly, Russia came in and took over Ukraine. I, I mean, I'm trying to figure out where you're getting this revisionist history. Well, just let me finish what I want to say, okay? But yeah, but you got to make some trying, sense. And right now, you're making— Well, if you you're let make, me finish, I'll make sense. Go ahead. I'd okay. love to hear some because I haven't heard Thank it yet, you. but go ahead. Again, again, Kennedy did the same thing with Khrushchev. Don't put missiles in Cuba so they're facing the United States. That's what he said. That became known as the Kennedy Doctrine. Yes, and guess what happened there? Guess what? They were worried because that was a provocative country. That's why. Do you think? Did you did you hear Ukraine say, "God, we can't wait to go after Pol"? You know, we can't wait to go after Russia. Did you hear Poland saying that? He didn't. Putin. Putin, I'm not. It's not that Putin is right, but Putin said, "Don't join NATO and don't put missiles." In NATO now, in in, in Ukraine. So now, we're supposed. So Michael, I just want to. I'm sorry because what you I are wanna, saying. Just, what? Hang on one second. I let you talk. I'm going to speak now. What the case is is that you are suggesting that we roll over like little lapdogs to this evil dictator. I mean, I mean, the fact that you're trying to equate one for the other is surprising to me. I hear what you're saying, but what you are saying is that you should acquiesce to a madman. And I'll give you five seconds because that's not the way. The whole reason for NATO is to protect ourselves. You don't go, oh, Putin doesn't want us to protect ourselves. Oh, well, then maybe we shouldn't. You don't fight with an 800-pound gorilla in the room. You leave. There's a concept called you have to know which battle. Putin did not threat a loss of independence to Ukraine. He just said, don't join NATO because I don't want missiles. What he should have done, wisdom would have said, Here's what you do. Just say, listen, okay, I won't declare. Instead, what does he do? You don't pick a fight with an 800-pound gorilla, especially a guy like Putin. But you don't also walk away, Michael, and you don't. Oh, no. Oh, you know what? You know what? I hear, I think. He is not Michael, Michael, independence. Michael, you are nuts. Are you looking at what he is doing to this country? He is leveling this country. And I hear what you're saying. It would be nice to find some peace some resistance, some some way to end this right now for everybody's sake, you know, and in a peaceful way. So I appreciate that point of what you're making. On the other hand, just because this is exactly why NATO's here, it's to protect against thugs like Putin. And you think that you see what he's doing in this country and what he's doing around the world? This is disastrous. 
And this is exactly why you need to stand up to bullies like this so they don't just slaughter Ukraine, but also other parts of the world. But I hear what you're saying. I wish there would have been a way not to go to war, but you got to defend freedom, too. We'll be right back. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Zelensky, the prime minister and, of course, rather the president there of Ukraine, slamming Russia for the bombing of hospitals, saying it is a war crime. And he is also shaming the West, saying that they need support. They are pleading again for a no-fly zone and begging that the U.S. come to their aid and also supply them those desperately needed MiG jets because it is incredible to see what is happening. And we know now that, let alone in the Mariupol area, that's one of the, you know, it's a decent-sized city, but it's not a big, big city. So far, already they believe 1,200 people-plus have died, many of them from starvation, some of them from shelling, and that, of course, could be just the tip of the iceberg as they are going through the rubble of these attacks on civilian locations. Take a listen. This is Senator Rick Scott, who says there is no doubt what he thinks Putin is. Give the Ukrainians the planes that we can give them. They're willing to fight for their own freedom. They're not asking American troops to come in there and fight for them. They're willing to fight for their own freedom. Give them the planes, give them the ammunition, give them the anti-tank missiles, give them the, the air missiles, and give them everything they can to defend themselves. And they will defend themselves. And, and when it happens, I think, I mean, we've got to make sure Putin goes to prison for war crimes, just to kill innocent little children. I mean, we all just think about our own families. And what, was, what would we want if this was happening in our, our country? We want everybody in the world to show up and help us. Yeah, and you know that we would be begging if this was happening in our country. Uh, by the way, also in the next hour on the Rita Cosby Show, we're going to be talking about separate topic to actor Jesse Smollett erupts in court uh, after his hate crimes hoax. We're going to talk about that because the judge definitely sentenced him to some time. I don't think it was that much, quite frankly, if you look at it. It really wasn't a lot. And yet, Jesse Smollett basically feels he shouldn't have gotten any time. We're going to talk about that. And we also have the vice president of the Heritage Foundation, James Carafano, a great military strategist who can talk about what he thinks in terms of potential war crimes here against Vladimir Putin and how he sees this ending. And if he had any faith in Kamala Harris going there in to Poland. Um, When we come back, I'm also going to talk about that because I don't know if you saw it. I could not believe that Kamala Harris has this moment and she starts talking about, you know, refugees and starts laughing. It was completely inappropriate at a time where we are talking about such serious, heavy stuff. The fact that she is laughing awkwardly and in this weird, bizarre way. And I'm going to play it for you after the break because it's just it's like. Where is this coming from? It's one of the most serious issues when they're talking about over a million refugees. She's standing there next to the president of Poland, and yet it's like, you know, you know, kind of giggle hour all over again. We're going to get to that after the break. Also, we will be talking about our Back the Blue segment, which we love doing every night here on The Great Rita Cosby Show. 
And first, let's go to your calls. What do you think we should do? You just heard from, I think it was Michael, who I think is in Mars, um, the fact that he's sitting there and makes it, oh, well, maybe we should have just basically said we're not going to protect ourselves. And maybe we should have just said we'll never join a a group that's going to protect us. So we'll just be sitting ducks. Boy, thank goodness that guy's not in the military strategy room. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go real quick to Fran and Clifton. Real quick, Fran, your thoughts about all of this. Hi, Rita. Good evening. This is Fran from uh, Clifton. And um, I disagree with the previous caller who said that we should just basically capitulate to President Putin um, because – he says that you know he's giving he's using the excuse about NATO that he doesn't want Ukraine to join NATO, but if he makes the Ukraine part of the Russian Federation, all the all the countries on the western border of NATO, of um, the Ukraine are NATO countries. So it, it, it doesn't make any logical sense. No, that's, by the way, that's a great point because so many of them are border countries that are NATO. And second of all, he wants Ukraine to be sitting ducks. Boy, what a goofball. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love that we do this every night here on the show with all of you, where we honor the great men and women in blue. A story coming out of Pea Ridge, Arkansas, where two quick-thinking Pea Ridge police officers saved the life of a city resident. It happened just a few days ago, and the two officers responded to a possible drug overdose in the city. When they arrived, they assessed the subject who remained unconscious And they determined that the person may have overdosed from opioids. The officers quickly administered Narcan, which all of them have actually in the department. They have a Narcan nasal spray for incidents just like this. And the officers administered it. Uh, They tried to save his life and then were able to help him gain consciousness again. Uh, Then they were taking him also to the hospital when the fire department arrived. The patient is said to be doing okay. And an amazing story about our quick thinking officers who cover so many different calls and never know what each day is going to be like and save the life of this man who apparently overdosed on opioids. Well, we are talking about the dire situation that is happening in Ukraine because of Russia and the brutality of Russia. And boy, the stakes could not be higher because you think about today, there was Kamala Harris. She was in Poland standing next to President Duda of Poland, who I know I've met President Duda a number of times. As you know, my father's Polish. Very serious topic because Poland's so worried about the war spilling over from Ukraine into Poland. They're very concerned about that. And they're talking about possible war crimes. They're talking about could we maybe figure out a way to get these MiG jets to bring over to Ukraine? Uh, They're talking about potential chemical weapons. I mean, the stakes could not be higher. If this is not one of the most serious moments almost, you know, in history and modern times right now, if you think about the last few decades, and here's the American vice president goes over there. And this is what she had to say when she talked about Vladimir Putin and the attacks by the Russians on the poor Ukrainians. What is at stake this very moment are some of the guiding principles around the NATO alliance, and in particular, 
the issue and the importance of defending sovereignty and territorial integrity, in this case of Ukraine. As President Duda has described, we have been witnessing for weeks, and certainly just in the last 24 hours, atrocities of unimaginable proportion. A maternity hospital, a children's hospital, where we have witnessed pregnant women who were there for care, for one reason, being taken out because they required care because of an act of violence, unprovoked. Unprovoked. Very serious stuff. And she says that the U.S. is going to join calls for a war crimes probe. I would like to know if I was on that probe, I'd be okay. Five seconds done. He's committed war crimes. I mean, I don't think there's too much to probe. You just look at the images and look at the continuous slaughter. And as we just said, also, even a former, you know, a former Russian soldier, still a current one, but now he's a POW, thank goodness, in Ukrainian hands. And he said that he was told to open fire on civilians. That was the order he was given from his commander. And that was at the early part of the invasion. I mean, this is really ugly. Those were the direct orders that he said he was given. So this clearly shows that Putin is not just missing his mark every time. They are clearly targeting civilians. So here are the topics. It could not be more serious. It could not be more, you know, important, you know, freedom potentially, of the world hanging in the balance. And then Kamala Harris gets asked about the 1.3 million refugees that have flooded into Poland. Uh, Remember, there's been over 2 million leaving Ukraine, and these people are living in really tough situations. The Polish government have been helping them. They've been fleeing across the border in droves. I mean, this is the biggest, basically, refugee crisis, they believe, since World War II. So it couldn't be a more serious and a more personal and a more emotional topic. And take a listen to our vice president and how she handled it. Is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees? And for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. <laughs> A friend in need is a friend indeed. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, so this time. Wow. A friend in need is a friend indeed. Ha ha ha, the 1.3 million refugees. What is wrong with our vice president? This is like she was so over her head by even going there. And then she laughs when she's asked probably one of the most serious questions about 1.3 million refugees. Is there anything funny about it? And then she's, oh, a friend in needs, a friend indeed. You know, I mean, that is an unbelievable, first of all, insult. It's her that nervous laughter. And it's at a moment where it could not be more inappropriate. So I want to hear from you tonight if you think that we, boy, have the wrong person over there, and boy, do we have the wrong person as vice president. This is the person that the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, has sent over to deal with a crisis of this magnitude? This is the person who's in charge of the border and, remember, voting rights reform and all these things that he's pushing for, all these pivotal moments. And could there be a more pivotal moment right now where we're deciding on how we're going to maybe get 
you know, potentially planes, even though the U.S. government has said, no, we're not going to get them right now, over to Ukraine. So do you have any faith that this person can negotiate with world leaders? I, this is one of the most embarrassing, cackling, silly moments I've ever heard. I, I want to play just that back again if I could, because it is stunning to me. At a moment. And if you watch it, you know, it's these very formal news conferences that take place where two world leaders are side by side. You see President Duda of Poland on the right hand side on the screen. You see her on the left hand side of the screen. It's a very formal, you know, serious questions. You know, what's going to happen about war crimes? They're talking about chemicals. They're talking about, you know, uh, the atrocities. They're talking about defending Poland. What's going to happen? Because that is a NATO country, as we were just talking about on the border of Russia. I mean, of Ukraine, literally right there. And we know the history of what's happened. Talking about the whole region, world security, NATO security. And then it comes to the issue of, hey, what's happening with the 1.3 million refugees that basically left with the shirt on their back? And many of them, women and children who left their husbands behind to fight because the draft is there. They have to fight. And can you think of a more serious moment, a moment where you shouldn't be like, you know, heartfelt and and emotional and, and talking about doing whatever you can for the refugees? And again, this is our vice president's response. Take a listen. Is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees? And for President Duda... I wanted to know if you think and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. <laughs> a friend in need is a friend in need. <laughs> okay, I, I, I okay, so this time. And there's poor President Duda, like, uh, what is this cackling person doing next to me when we're talking about something really serious? Did I just understand what they said about 1.3 million refugees? How inappropriate is that? How shocking and how inappropriate is that? I want to play now. This is not the first time we have heard Kamala Harris basically fold when it comes to pressure, when it comes to important issues of national security and world security. Here is a little bit about her talking about, you know, the border. Why haven't I been to the border at that point? Take a listen. Remember this? Okay. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole this whole this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, mean, I don't I don't understand the point that you're making. I'm not discounting the importance of the border. Well, I, I mentioned I, it because even, I, I know Republicans have certainly come at you on this. But Democratic Congressman Cuellar, as a border district, has said to the, you and the president, come. You need, I care you need to see about, this. Listen, I care about what's happening at the border. Oh, I care about what's happening at the border. Don't worry about those two million that have come through just last year alone, the highest in history. Don't worry about the fact they're not being vaccinated. Don't worry about any of those things. That is crazy. Why is it that she laughs? Why is it when it is pivotal, critical moments and it just gives you a sense that you can't take her seriously and it gives you a sense that we're not in good hands and boy, is the world not in good hands. And it's just that nervous laughter. It is so unreassuring. It is so unwelcoming and it's so unappreciated.
when you're talking about something as serious as this. And you are there on the world stage representing not just America. You're representing the world at that moment. And you go over and you cackle and you laugh when they're talking about 1.3 million refugees that have flooded into this country in two weeks. And what are you going to do to help them? And, and it's, oh, a friend in needs, a friend indeed, you know. I, I mean, this is like second grade. This is unbelievable and, to me, really disheartening. And speaking of second grade, this is how she described the crisis not too long ago when she was asked, uh, how do you describe Russia and Ukraine? What happened here? So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically, that's wrong. Wow. Does that give anybody any reassurance that we are in good hands when we are dealing with something as serious as chemical weapons, talking about with Putin, war crimes, hitting civilian targets. Is there anybody out there that thinks we're in good hands with cackles? 1-800-848-9222. Um, April, let's go to you in Astoria. Go ahead, April. Hi. Hi, Rita. Yeah, I just want to say two points. Um, I think the vice president, the way she acts, why she acts like that, I think she's in shock that she's the vice president. She didn't even win the primary, and then now she's the vice president. So I think she's not really, it hasn't sunk into her head how important her position is to our country and the world. And we need to apologize to the world for her, because she's an, she's an embarrassment as a vice president, I believe. I mean, she's not, she's supposed to be second from the president of the United States. And this is where she's smiling and I think she doesn't realize it because it's such a serious time, too. It's like when you go to a funeral and you have people laughing. This is such a serious thing to have her with this cavalier, you know, attitude. I know she probably gets down to something serious after that statement, but it just sets off in the, in the wrong direction, the wrong mood. Yeah, I agree. And, I, and you know what? It, it just makes her look not credible. You know, that's the thing. And it's like it's like this, like it's like a nervous laughter almost. And it comes at a time where I feel like she's trying to fill time to think of maybe an answer and doesn't understand, either doesn't grasp the gravity of the question or the situation, or she just does it as a, out of a nervous affect. But either way, it is. I think it's insulting to not just the people who are in her presence, but it's insulting to the world at a time where the stakes couldn't be higher. And if somebody asked me about 1.3 million refugees flooding into a country – and what can you do to help them? You know, I, I can't think of anything that would be funny about it. it you know, right. I, it's shocking, April, and it's an embarrassment right. to the U.S. I, I wanted to mention something else. When I was out today, um, I'm wondering, when, when, when Putin says, you know, and uh, threatens about using nuclear and, you know, nuclear weapons, I have a feeling we're giving a very bad, um, like, uh, president's, to other leaders with nuclear weapons, they're going to get the idea, the way we're, we're acting, I know nuclear, no one wants to get into a nuclear war, but we're acting as if once the person says they're going to go nuclear, we have to say, oh, 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 oh let's step back, let's negotiate, let's see what you want. I think like the other world leaders, 
like North Korea and, and um, China and other places, they're going to think all we have to do is threaten America, nuclear war, and the European Union, and they'll, we'll be able to get what we want. I, I think we're giving them, instead of saying that maybe they're just – you know, sort of like trying to test us to see how far they can go. They don't want a nuclear I, – I mean, I can't imagine unless they're insane. They know where it ends, a nuclear war. No, you're right, April. You're absolutely right. And then on the flip side, you know, Zelensky is saying, wait a minute, I gave up my nukes. He gave up his nukes years ago with the promise that Russia wouldn't come in and that the U.S. would protect him. And look where he is now. Not that, you know, not that you want to advocate for nuclear – you know, uh, weapons, but people are looking at both sides of the equation and saying, hey, wait a minute. And Gaddafi gave up his nuclear weapons. And, you know, obviously he was taken down by his own people. I mean, there are so many different layers to this, but you're right. You can't back down when you have a bully. And that's what Putin is. He is a bully. And, you know, he's looking at the, you know, disastrous withdrawal of Afghanistan. He's looking at all the problems that have happened under this administration. He's looking at the way that Joe Biden's handled it. He's looking at, you know, Kamala Harris laughing and going, okay, I can keep going. You know, let's go to Elena in Teaneck, New Jersey. Go ahead, Elena. Good evening, Rita. Good evening. What did you make of Kamala Harris and the cackles? I call her cackles. Cackles is right. But I'm looking at this from a little different angle. I have a funny feeling that she has some sort of anxiety or neurological situations. And when people are put in public positions, especially in leadership positions, especially in national leadership positions, that kind of a handicap is a handicap and can be very misunderstood. Can you imagine? But then she shouldn't be vice president. You know, like, by the way, you know, people who have (laughs) some sort of issues, you know, I feel sorry for them, but that's not the best representation of America to the rest of the world. I, I agree with you. There's something like an, it's like a, it's an inappropriate, it's like at these very pivotal moments, she laughs. It's like an, in, it's an insecurity or it's a, there's an affect or something. There's something really weird because it's when they're talking about the border. Ah, I haven't been there. What the heck? You know, two million cross there. Don't worry about it. Oh, 1.3 crossed in uh, Poland. Don't worry about it. I mean, it's, there's something really, like you said, there's some neurological issue, but that means that person's not ready for prime time, Elena. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like asking uh, or putting a bull in a china closet and putting on a show. Absolutely. And it's an embarrassment at a time where things are so pivotal. Elena, thank you for the call. Always love hearing from you. We're going to continue, everybody, with your calls after the break. Are we in dire straits after listening to Cackle's laugh about 1.3 million refugees It's the weirdest thing, and it's so inappropriate. And boy, does it send a bad message, I think, to the rest of the world. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show As we are getting word that many millions at this point, well over two million refugees have crossed over into neighboring countries. And by the way, this is coming at a time where gas prices, of course, and so many energy and oil prices are skyrocketing also across the country, across the world. In fact, in the United States, 
uh, the inflation has hit a 40-year high. Um, and some of the gas prices have greatly contributed to that. Uh, we're going to get to it later in the hour because, you know, President Biden is blaming Putin, basically saying for the inflation rate and for the gas prices. And yet they've been rising for a long time and the invasion has only happened for two weeks. And this comes as, of course, the most serious news is that it looks like that that convoy has started moving slightly again. That's that massive Russian convoy that was at one point, you know, miles upon miles away from the capital of Kiev. It is slowly inching toward the capital city. So the question is, what does Putin have in store? And there are lots of serious reports that the White House and many other people looking into the issue of possible use of chemical weapons. They know that his brutality has gone beyond measure, as we've seen these targeting of civilian locations. And also, by the way, the Russian Defense Ministry admitting that there was use of lung-busting thermobaric vacuum bombs. Uh, that, as as Vladimir Putin is growing much more frustrated by the slow pace of the war, by the basically ferocity and the strength of the Ukrainian resistance. And people are wondering now what else could come next. But again, Russia admitting, at least the defense ministry, according to a series of reports, that they were using thermobaric vacuum bombs. We saw those launchers. We knew that there were launchers placed in to the country, but now apparently actual use of the bombs, according to a variety of reports. And these are ones that basically disintegrate everything in sight and basically burn somebody's lungs out. These are definitely banned. Uh, These are definitely against the Geneva Convention. And further example of why I think immediately he should be declared as a war criminal. We can't be waiting weeks. We can't be waiting months. Um, I think the evidence is pretty clear. What do you think, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stan in Forest Hill. Stan, your thoughts about all this. And Stan, you know I rarely do this, but you gave a great, you called into the show last night, and you I thought your idea about the Vatican somehow playing a role I think was really smart. And I thought about, by the way, the Vatican should play a role with maybe the negotiating, getting, no, that, the, getting the no two good. of them. No, I, 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 I would all do is I don't want the Pope negotiating. I want the Pope, as I said, they are a nation state independent. They are not a part of NATO. They're not a part of the European Union. They have land. Remember, the Pope has a jet. He has about eight or 12 acres of land where the jet is. Let the Vatican allow Poland to put those MiGs on their land. And here's the, as we said, here's the major thing. Let the Ukrainians send pilots. They can get there through buses or whatever. They can get out of there. And get I agree. There. Hey, Stan, but, we just have a little bit left. What did you right. think of Cackles? What did you think of Kamala uh, Harris today? i got to be honest with you, Rita. I think she, uh, when she's there, she it, it is a nerve. Remember, he was laughing, too, a little bit. He was doing the nervous. He was thing. laughing because yeah, he well, was I like, why the, is she laughing? Like, what did they just say a, that was so funny? It's thing with her. She's, there's nothing wrong with her. She's just. Stan, look, that's an embarrassment. And, and, and a, the spotlight is on her. I wouldn't have sent her there anyway. I think it's a waste of time. Stan, by the way, I can't I can't believe this. I agree with you two nights in a row. <laughs> this is Stan. No, I just wouldn't send her there. That's why. I, I, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't want cackles on the world stage. Anthony Blinken should have gone there. That's oh, my God. He doesn't have a pulse. He's like, he flips and flops like a pancake. Stan, Always I love pleasure. you. I love you, Stan. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. Stan agrees with me. Don't send cackles. 
feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And this is the Rita Cosby Show. President Zelensky of Ukraine has addressed his nation saying that Russian TV mentioned the attack in Mariupol. That is where that hospital attack happened. But they lied that there were no children and no women in the hospital and said that they were nationalists. They are lying with confidence, as they always do. And also Zelensky remaining defiant, saying that after the war, we will rebuild everything very fast and very well. Every city that was affected will get a special development program. He is standing strong and defending his country. Meantime, two columns of advancing Russian forces and 10 enemy aircraft were reportedly destroyed. So the Ukrainian forces are having some good luck getting after some of the Russians. However, that big column that we've been talking about now that was outside of Kiev has been slowly moving toward the capital city. This, as we know, that the Russian forces have gained some of the southern cities, some of the smaller ones like Mariupol and some of these others that are continuing to fight, but they seem to be kind of moving on into different areas and maybe trying to do basically a military squeeze play around the capital city of Kiev. By the way, the capital city, uh, they are very, very worried what's going to happen. Um, right now, there are, there at one point were three to four million people in that city. Right now, about half the population, think about this, of the capital city has left. Two million people, they believe, have fled Kiev for other parts of the country and in many places out of the country because they know that Kiev is the ultimate target for Vladimir Putin. And we will, of course, keep you posted on all of this. Um, here is Vladimir Zelensky talking about the frustration because as this is happening and they're getting wind, of course, about this column of tanks and they're getting wind of more attacks on civilian targets that is just brutal and ruthless and also concerns by the White House, too, that there could be potential chemical weapons that the Soviets have used. We know they used them before in Syria. They used them elsewhere. So this is really serious stuff. And in the middle of this, we've got Vladimir Zelensky. We've got uh, Vladimir Zelensky pleading, begging. I am begging you, West. We need you to help us. We need you to come in. Because right now, Ukraine looks like it's surrounded in so many different directions. Of course, Kiev, the capital city, they are so worried. They are so freaked out. They are so concerned. And this is what he had to say, that it looks like at this point his country and his countrymen are fighting with everything they have and almost single-handedly fighting Putin. Don't wait me asking you several times, a million times, close the sky. No, you have to phone us to our people who lost their children and say, sorry, we didn't do it yesterday, one week ago. We didn't push Putin, we didn't speak with him a lot, we didn't found, find the dialogue with him, we, 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 we did nothing. And it's true. 
yesterday the world did nothing i'm sorry but it's true and he pleaded again for a no fly zone which so far nato including america has said they will not do above the skies on ukraine we have to have contradict things so it would be was for whom for our families no for whom for them uh, no, who knows? Nobody knows. Uh, but, but we know exactly that now is very bad. And in future, it will be too late. And believe me, believe me, if, if it's prolonged uh, this way, yes, you will see. They will close the sky. But we'll lose millions of people. Wow. We could potentially lose millions of people. This is a major, major plea, and especially as they are deeply, deeply concerned. By the way, there's a number of Republican senators who have been urging President Biden to send warplanes. And you've got Poland saying it. And yet, so far at this time, the United States and NATO saying that they are not comfortable to do it. Um, they got to figure out a way to make it happen. They absolutely do. And by the way, coming up later on in this hour... We are going to be talking with Jay Carafano, James J. Carafano, a great vice president with the Heritage Foundation, also military guy, great military strategist. Um, he is going to be joining us to talk exactly about what he thinks should happen now. What should the strategy be? Where should things go? And we're going to continue taking your calls and talk about this, too, as well. Um, another little bit of breaking news tonight. This is on the Jesse Smollett case. This is the actor, remember, in Chicago, uh, you know, remember Empire. And this is the guy who faked the crime and said that it was a hate crime and basically say it, it was Trump supporters that were behind basically committing this crime against him with the noose around his neck. Well, the judge said, uh, 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 he didn't buy it. By the way, I don't know if anybody bought it. You know, I don't even know if Jesse Smollett bought it. I mean, if you take a listen to the way he was talking, it was like, whoa. But remember, you know, the judge found that he hired these two guys who had worked with them, the stunt guys, and the judge threw the book at Jussie Smollett today. And I say bravo to this judge because I am telling you, this guy sent the whole city of Chicago, the police department and security officials, everybody going on this wild goose chase, trying to track down these people who may have been responsible for trying to attack Jesse Smollett. And the judge said there was no evidence of this. The only evidence was him staging this crime for attention. And then remember blaming President Trump, saying there were Trump supporters uh, creating this sort of animosity. Remember, like that there were people creating hate crimes out there. It was really incendiary and it was horrible. And the judge didn't buy it. And today he sentenced him. And this is so interesting. He gets 150 days in jail. Now, that's a lot of time for a guy who hasn't you know, spent time in jail. But I'll contend he could have gotten a lot worse. And yet he wasn't happy that he even got one day in jail. So this is clearly a guy who has not learned his lesson in any shape or form. And I just want to play a little bit of this because everybody's talking about this also tonight because it just broke. This is the judge throwing the book at Jesse Smollett. Take a listen when he sentenced him. But then there are crimes of premeditation, Mr. Smollett. That's what you are all about here, crime of premeditation. You did wake up in the morning thinking you were going to do something bad and something wrong. 
And then the judge went further. Take a listen. It was your idea. It was part of the plan that you would pay them in advance. And the the check was out there. The check was shown into evidence. That was part of your premeditation. You chose a date. You chose a time. You chose a location. Doesn't leave a lot out. It looks like you arranged the whole thing, according to the judge, Jesse. Here's a little more of what else the judge says he did. You wrote a script. The script involved words. You're going to encounter me on the street. Yell out empire. N-word. F-word. You're going to hit me. You're going to beat me up. You're going to put bleach on me. You're going to put a noose around my neck. Wow. Talk about incendiary language. And especially at a time where there was so many racial issues. And listen, there are still racial issues, you know, sadly in this country and so many countries. But it was so provocative and it was getting so many people riled up, taking positions. Remember, you know, even Kamala Harris was asked, hey, what do you think? Oh, I believe Jesse Smollett. Remember, it became this enormous case and the judge didn't buy one piece of it. Here's a little more of what he had to say when he sentenced this guy. And now he sees that that noose is around your neck, but it's not the way that that you walked into the house. Now the noose is up at your throat. You've maneuvered the noose, and you've made it look worse than it was. This is part of your plan. So the judge sentences him to 150 days in jail, basically branding him, you know, a charlatan for staging this hate crime against himself, trying to get attention during all the stuff that was happening with Empire, trying to negotiate, he believes, a better deal. He also gives him a $25,000 fine. And my favorite part of the sentence of all of this, you guys, is the $125,000, or one hundred and twenty, I think it is, in restitution that he has to pay back. That, I say, is bravo, bravo. I love this judge because the city and so many people were saying we should get compensated. Because we spent time, we spent law enforcement officers, you know, who were out there. They could be doing other things at Chicago where there was a lot of crime going on. Don't you think that law enforcement officers and resources of the city could be better used, you know, following real crimes as opposed to somebody who's now, it looks like pretty clearly, staged a crime? But Jesse Spillett didn't stop there. Take a listen to how he responded He went crazy when the judge decided to give him 150 days. He should have given him a lot more time to send a message to so many people. But Jesse Smollett, he still says, oh, no, oh, no. Take a listen to this guy. I am not suicidal. Okay. I am not suicidal. I am innocent, and I am not suicidal. If I did this, then it means that I stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years and the fears of the LGBTQ community. Your Honor, I respect you and I respect the jury, but I did not do this, and I am not suicidal. And if anything happens to me when I go in there, I did not do it to myself, and you must all know that. I respect you, Your Honor. I respect your decision. Jail time. I am not suicidal. I am not suicidal. I am not suicidal, and I am innocent. I could have said that I was guilty a long time ago. Wow. Did you hear that? Boy, was he erupting and going absolutely crazy. And I contend he got it easy. He only got 150 days. 
You stage your crime according to the judge and the decision of the court. You know what? And you, you waste police resources. I'm glad they threw the book at him. Shame on him to send a message at a time and to be such incendiary and and negative and nasty and to create such division. And now the judge says, listen, you constructed it, buddy. I'm glad he's giving him a lesson. But do you think this is a guy who's going to get the message? He's like, oh, no, 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 I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Oh, no way. You know, and and then he got into sort of the black power and the, the race of, you know, 400 years. What about saying, you know what, maybe I shouldn't have done it. Have you ever heard that one? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Pete, your thoughts about all this? Hi, Rita. You know, I'm so glad that justice finally uh, came true with Jesse there. You know, you can't take police services and stuff away and make it a phony crime and uh, claim that something happened to you when it didn't because – then it hurts the people who tell a story that they were injured or uh, raped or something. It just takes credibility to wear. I mean, he should have had the brains not to do that. I mean, they, I heard he was negotiating a contract vampire because he was getting cut out of the series. But that's not a way to go about it. Yeah, and you know what? He didn't seem remorseful in any sense of the word, which is why I think in part, Pete, when you hear it, because you were hearing it, you know, as it was basically that was sort of the replay of how it happened. The judge just threw the book at him because clearly the judge doesn't sense any remorse on his part, Pete. And that's where a judge just goes, wait a minute, you're before my court. He clearly saw that in his mind that this was clearly a stage. It seems like everybody says it. And yet he's like, I'm innocent. He's the only one who seems to think he's innocent, Pete. No right. remorse. And they were saying that these people were Trump followers, and uh, I, I think they were not even from this country. I think they were from Nigeria or something. Uh, yeah, and they were friends of his, as it turned out. As it turned out, they said they like they were working out with them. Remember, it was the Nigerian brothers, and yes. and then he put it on them, and then they're like, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, oh. here's the script, basically, that he gave me, you know? And, and then there's, like, images of the news changing, and then they looked at video, and they didn't see them. You know, I mean, it was all the stuff that, like, just was so inconsistent. Um, but are you glad it, the, it, that they that the judge threw the book? And do you think this will send well, a message to other people, Pete? It has to send a message. You cannot uh, fake a crime, you know? It takes away from everything. It takes away the police protecting the people who need the protection, especially now with what's going on. Could you imagine if it happened now? Terrible. Absolutely. No, you're right, Pete. And all I think about is at a time in Chicago where homicide rates are sky high, this to me is unconscionable. And to fake a crime and waste police resources and the indignance, like there is no gray with them. He is clearly still thinking in his mind, oh, God, this is, you know, I can't believe that they sentenced me. You know, I can't believe it's like, you know, it's like he's blaming everybody. And, you know, it, it just reinforces maybe the judge should have done a little bit more. Uh, Don, real quick from Minnesota. You have a few seconds, Don. Real quick, Don. Yeah, real quick. You know, Jesse Smollett and Kamala Harris should, uh, the, the Republicans should take a 30-second spark that says the empire strikes back with Kamala's cackle. And Jesse Smollett's rant in court. That will win them the 2022 in a thumping majority. Dom, you are great. You need to be a campaign strategist. That is A-plus, my friend. Great one. When we come back, everybody, we're going to talk more about Ukraine. Lots of big developments tonight. 
This is the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And we are continuing with so much breaking news happening in Ukraine as the battle by the Russian forces ruthlessly going across that country. Again, that column of tanks inching towards the capital city now as the war is entering into its third week. Um, By the way, um, they are looking at a number of cases where it appears not just Russian missiles attacking locations, but also Russian forces shooting at individuals in cars. There's a series of reports that that has taken place. Meantime, the White House looking into the use of possible biological weapons, just suspecting it uh, because we know that in the past, Putin has used them. Take a listen. So uh, the objective uh, was to uh, make clear uh, the inaccuracy of the information, the misinformation they're trying to put out, uh, and make clear to the world that they not only have the capacity, they have a history of using chemical and biological weapons, and that uh, in this moment we should have our eyes open for that possibility. And people in Mariupol talking about the attack on the hospital. I still haven't any information, and now it's eight days old. And I just watch these videos again and again, and it breaks my heart because uh, when I visit my mom in summer, I just walked past this uh, hospital, and I, it was so pretty and nice, and there were so many kids around, and now it just looks like a zone of catastrophe. A zone of catastrophe, catastrophe. By the way, President Zelensky also putting out a statement saying today we need to return to some Western leaders, their bravery, really going after what the Western world saying step up so that they would do what they should have done on the first day of this invasion, either close the Ukrainian sky or give us fighter jets so we can do it ourselves, saying that they are being surrounded. Please come and save us. Here's a little more of that citizen of Mariupol, where that hospital was leveled, talking about the conditions that are in that city. They're really uh, struggling with humanitarian disease, disaster because there's no uh, water, electricity, heat, uh, even uh, gas in some districts. Uh, they are lack of food and water they can drink. If uh, there are no cellular data, so they can call or text to close ones, and it's really hard. Yeah, really hard. No food, no water, no electricity, and now there are reports that 1,200 people in that city alone have died. And, of course, Putin continuing his wrath. Let's go to BJ in Queens. BJ, your thoughts about all this real quick, BJ. We need to support people who are fighting for freedom while we still have them. If you see this country, uh, Ukraine, they're hanging in by a loose tooth. You know, Ronald Reagan, when he left office, his last speech to us was that we were the shiny city on the hill. We were windswept and God blessed. He used that phrase specifically, windswept and God blessed, meaning that God blessed us in any weather. And this is the worst weather that we could possibly have. Once they get through Ukraine, they will take the, the, the Balkans and they will restore – all of Eastern Europe will fall. And this is what Putin's goal is, no matter what happens to him. This is his endgame. 
And I think you had John, uh, the General Keen on. Uh, yep, who, yep, who kinda, we had him on this week. Exactly. He would. He would basically. He would. Uh, with much much better than I could, but he would probably say pretty much the same thing that once uh, uh, once Ukraine falls, the rest of the Eastern European bloc countries will fall, and we need to support them while we have the chance and while we have the muscle because we won't get this chance again. No, I agree, BJ. I think it is so important as we're seeing again that column of tanks kind of inching towards Kiev. And you see where the forces are. You look at it on the map and look at how ruthless they are in that city where they've attacked the hospitals and so many others. And now reports of bio labs. I mean, all of this stuff. How far do we have to let it go before evil just slaughters that country? And as you point out, may go elsewhere. We'll be right back. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a World War II veteran from Oconto, Wisconsin, has received a distinguished honor. Dick Jenkins served in the 8th Armored Division during the war, and representatives from the Czech Republic military traveled to Oconto, Wisconsin, to present Dick with an honorary Medal of Merit. They thanked him for his role in liberating their country from German occupation. It's an honor that he accepts with gratitude and also humility. As Jenkins said, the people there had suffered for so long under German rule that they would do anything for us. They'd take us right into their homes and do whatever they could. And how great that he did so much to defend them and protect them. And bravo to him and all of the other members of the greatest generation. And speaking about liberating a country, that is exactly what President Zelensky is begging for tonight. He is saying we need help. We are begging NATO to come in to do a no-fly zone, to get MiGs, those Polish planes, those are the old Soviet planes that Poland has, into the country. And so far, no word on if or whether he will ever get them, because so far that's been put on hold by the U.S. government. And meanwhile, people are looking, including the U.S., into possible war crimes by Vladimir Putin and potentially others. And President Zelensky of Ukraine says there is no doubt that war crimes are being committed here. Take a listen to how he describes that bombing of the maternity hospital in the city, which killed mothers and kids. An aerial bomb on a maternity hospital is the conclusive evidence that what is happening is a genocide of Ukrainians. And joining us now to talk about all of the big developments that are happening in Ukraine is James J. Carafano, he is with the Heritage Foundation, Vice President for Foreign and Security Policy, also a great, great military strategist and a military guy himself. Um, James, thank you so much for being here on the show. Yeah, you know, I always like to start saying, by, by great to be with you, but when you listen to this war news from Ukraine, it's hard to say great about anything. It is. It is heartbreaking. And, and I'm so angry, you know, James, you and I have been at a number of different events through the years on national security, world security. And that's why I, I was so happy to have you on tonight, because your perspective, I think, is so important. And you understand 
uh, the geopolitics. You understand the region. You understand Poland and and some of these other countries that are so concerned. Um, What do you think, I guess, should happen tonight? We have Vice President Kamala Harris, who was over there. Um, but it doesn't sound like that much headway happened. What What do you think needs to happen now for Ukraine? Well, I, look, clearly uh, the Russians are fighting without a plan. And, and we, we, I think we have pretty good evidence on, on what the plan was. They were going to come in. They were going to decapitate the government. They expected the military then wouldn't fight. It would be a, a rapid occupation. Uh, and they would be over before the world could really do anything. And then I, I think they just expected everybody to look the other way and go back to sleepwalking through history. So what happened, obviously, was they were unsuccessful. And uh, uh, the, the Ukrainians have mounted a, a very uh, stiff defense. And we're, we're now three weeks into a two-day war. And you know I think it's pretty uh, clear that as long as medical supplies and food and ammunition and weapons continue to flow into the Ukrainian military, they're going to be able to fight. And and taking the whole country will be extremely, extremely difficult for the Russians. Uh, you know, on the other hand, if the, the Russians were able to do military advances to cut off the way that, you know, that the that, that, uh, supplies are getting in, then I, then I think it would be very difficult for the Iranians, uh, for the uh, Ukrainians to continue to fight. That, that, but, you know, this is war. You know, when they say unleash the dogs of war, the problem with that is you, you don't know who the dogs are going to bite. So, it, you know, pre- predicting or saying exactly what's going to happen, well, it's kind of what people do on the ground really makes a difference. But the one thing that we absolutely know for sure is the Russians are literally making this up as they go along. And what their default seems to be is that, the same kind of tactics they use in places like Chechnya and that they supported Assad in Syria, which is just trying to level things in their path with firepower. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask you, James, because, and again, everybody, we're talking to Vice President of the Heritage Foundation for Foreign and Security Policy, James J. Carafano. And, James, I was going to ask you, because we're seeing these just unbelievable graphic scenes, of course, of the leveling of that hospital. Uh, and you see women out there about to give birth that are getting carried off and blood all over from the bombing. They're also looking for bodies in the rubble. Um, and now there are also reports, um, according, by the way, this is a Russian POW who was taken into captivity, is claiming that he was told to open fire on the civilian population in Kharkiv. Um, you know, and that was at the early part of the Russian invasion and also reports that the Russians defense ministry is essentially admitting that they had used lung busting thermobaric vacuum bombs. Um, I mean, you know, these are like brutal beyond, uh, you know, the consciousness of war. And there seems to be a question of, OK, is he a war criminal, Putin? Is he not? Where do you stand on all this? Well, you know, on whether a specific act. Uh, is a war crime or not? Uh, I mean, you have to know the, the whole context. And, and I look, I've been dealing with this for years in Iraq and Afghanistan. People would show you videos and they would say, this happened. They say, this is a war crime. This is not a war crime. So the, in war, if you're fighting a war consistent with the Geneva Conventions, which is, which is the, the, the metric by which people would decide if somebody has done an illegal act in the process of war, because, because these countries, including Russia, are signatory, signatories to these conventions. Um, 
the the rule is is you cannot intentionally attack an innocent. Right. So you innocents can be killed and hurt and their property destroyed in the pursuit of legitimate military objectives and 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 in the proportional use of force. So so for example, if somebody drops a bomb in a hospital, is that a war crime? Well, it 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 depends. If they were intentionally bombing a hospital and they knew it was a hospital, that's a war crime. And so this is why there's going to have to be a, you know some level of investigation to not just determine you know what happened, but the facts behind you know who did it and why. That'll bring in um, information that's gathered during a conflict by the intelligence community. Because you better believe that even if that even if nobody's a party to the conflict, that we're collecting signal intelligence and other intelligence, and so are other governments. And I, I know for a fact that 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 the, um, the, the European Union has a committee that's already you know collecting evidence on this. Um, the, and then after the fact, they'll they'll be interviewing uh, prisoners of war and. You know, and maybe combatants and other people, and uh, and they'll and, and they'll document it, and then then we'll see. But but clearly, the Russians are doing the kinds of things they did in places like Chechnya, Chechnya, and uh, and Syria, and there were war crimes committed. So it, I will I'll be the last person shocked to find out that uh, that that these in these operations they didn't intentionally target civilians. Yeah, and also, you know, the thing is, too, they said it's been over 18 hospitals, so you have to either believe that they're really bad shots, you know, um, or is it, you know, uh, that it's, what, all coincidence that it was that many uh, bad locations. That's the point. There's been so many of these multiple attacks. The other thing I wanted to ask you, too, um, James, is what about also these reports where they are looking, and even Jen Psaki said today, that, yeah, Russia has used biological weapons, as you talked about, you know, as, as they've done in the past and, you know, Chechnya, Aleppo, you know, um, and so we need to be on the alert. It is a serious concern so much that the White House is publicly saying, yeah, we're keeping an eye on this. So, so I mean, so chemical weapons were used in Syria. I, I don't know if there's a documented case where where they've used biological weapons in combat. They, they, they have used um, chemical weapons. Not just in combat, but in assassination attempts, and and of course we know that the, that the Soviet Union routinely violated the Biological Weapons Convention, and they developed these weapons. So I think the the, the two primary concerns here are: we talk about weapons of mass destruction. Is one is the use of chemical weapons, and the other is the use of tactical nuclear weapons. And I'm not here to scare anybody. I mean, the reality is, in in Russian doctrine, it says if you are pursuing a military objective and you can't get there, it is okay to use chemical and, and, uh, and nuclear weapons to clear your path. And they train that, and that's what's in their doctrine. Now, I'm not saying they're going to do that. We, I don't think there's been any publicly released intelligence that says that they have that they have these weapons deployed. Right, right, right. and we but, haven't heard that either, exactly. But but they've used them in the past, and, and, and Putin has been incredibly aggressive. And so you know, my one rule is never think an enemy's course of action is unthinkable just because you don't want to think about it. So. Now, do you believe that's why maybe this administration has been, you know, very kind of like walking on eggshells because of that and some other concerns? Or is it just the style of this administration? 
No, I, I think it's just the style of this administration. I think the, the Minks are a good example. You know, so, so for this for the for this Defense Department to say, well, we don't want to see you know countries you know give or sell uh, uh, aircraft to the Ukrainians because that might be seen as escalatory by the Russians. I mean, this is laughable. I mean, the Russians they're invading the country. Do you think they really care about escalation? And and the reality is is you know the the rules are the rules. If you're supplying equipment to a combatant, you are not a combatant. You know, for years in the Vietnam War, the Chinese and the the Soviets gave all kinds of military stuff to the North Vietnamese. We we never declared them a combatant, but that's that's the way it works. And and whether you give somebody a javelin or a Stinger missile or you give them a combat aircraft, it you're just you're just giving or selling or lending them military equipment. I, I the whole way it was done by this government, where it was clear that people weren't even talking to people, and then you know we're throwing allies under the bus. By I mean it's just it was just a complete amateur outrage. The whole thing was ridiculous. And um, you know as long as the Ukrainians have airfields, uh, and, and which they do, and they can defend them, which they have been, and they can conduct air operations, which they've been doing, um, I, I think those aircraft would have been useful. Yeah, I agree. And especially when you think about that, that long convoy that's still out there. Think about if they had, you know, great air power to be able to attack it and do a whole bunch of things. Um, James Carafano, love you being on and really appreciate you being on uh, the vice president for foreign and security policy at Heritage Foundation. Thanks so much, James. We really appreciate it. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. one 800 848 Eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Frank in Long Island. Frank, your thoughts, real quick. Hey, Rita, I got to tell you, uh, for this country to stand by and watch this happen is a disgrace. There's no difference between this and how Hitler started, and we all know how many died, how many men died trying to get back their freedom. You know, you have to look at this and say, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, okay? But you have to look at what's going on, and you have to ask yourself, are we being sold out? He's got Russia negotiating with Iran on our part, okay? On yeah, that's amazing. But, you, you know, Frank, amazing. that is, to me, you, you hit it on the head about the, the fact that that's happening and that we're going to Venezuela and saying, you know, hey, can we get oil from you? Boy, what a mess, right, Frank? What about the $100 billion that he's— He's heading towards giving Iran. Besides, he's going to give them the nuclear bomb once he gives them $100 billion. I mean, what the heck is going on? You know that young kid, that UFC fighter? I don't, I don't follow the UFC, but that kid said the smartest thing after his fight. He's a real American, that kid. Yeah, I remember said, seeing the interview. But go ahead. Tell, yeah, tell everybody. I saw it, Frank. Go ahead. He said, these people are getting rich while they're selling out our country. And that's exactly what's happening. These traders in Washington, starting with that feckless old fool, they're spending us into oblivion. They're making plans with the enemy. They won't even send the planes to... What do they want these poor Ukrainians to do? They want them all to die? You know that there was a Ukrainian woman interviewed today on Fox that, that escaped and said that they're taking over the old people's houses and putting them in the basement and saying, you'll come out of the basement when we get out, when we leave here. Come on. It is frightening. Is it, no, Frank, I hear you. It is disgraceful. 
And I agree with you. And what are we supposed to do? Wait till like Kiev's leveled and then say, oh, well, maybe we should help him. At that point, it's going to be too late. Um, no, I, we'll wait until, until the Ukrainians are all Russian slaves, uh, like they were for years and years and years. Frank, it is heartbreaking, and I hear your pain, and I feel that frustration, too. We're going to continue, everybody, with your calls. Frank, thank you very much. When we come back, 1-800-848-9222. What should we do now? You just heard from Frank. I I agree. I think we got to do something. So many military strategists, and you just heard from James Carafano, um, and we heard from Jack Keane last night. Uh, it almost seems like now the chorus is, listen, we need to do something. The Ukrainians have a fight in them, but let's give them the military. Let's give them the military might to be able to win this because this guy is a madman, Vladimir Putin. We'll be back after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Uh, by the way, that convoy uh, near Kiev has largely dispersed. And that is an interesting thing because now we're getting word that satellite images taken recently show that military convoy northwest of Kiev. It has largely dispersed and redeployed. So what are the plans by the Russians because that was supposed to be heading towards Kiev. Has it moved? Has it encircled Kiev as opposed to just being in one big column? Where has that convoy headed? And that, of course, is a big concern. Meantime, also, by the way, we do a, a great podcast. It is called Protecting America, where we talk to top people about their views of protecting national security and world security. And, of course, in the latest edition, which is going to go up tomorrow, and you can check it out. You can go to at Rita Cosby on Twitter. You can also go to RitaCosbyOnline.com, RitaCosbyOnline.com. That's where we stream the show, too, and you'll be able to listen to it there as well. But we have a new edition, and I interviewed the former Secretary of Veterans Affairs and former Undersecretary of Defense, Robert Wilkie. And this is what his prediction is possibly for the war in Ukraine. Take a listen. I think this has the potential to go on for years. Let's say Putin does take the capital. All he's done is turn every broken street corner that's rubble into a pillbox. And he's dispersed tens of thousands of people into the countryside whose only reason for living will be to kill Russians. So I I don't see it ending soon. But I would also say that time is of the essence for us on a different level, and that is we have to rearm, we have to rebuild. And I also think we have to protect Ukraine. Let's go to your calls, everybody. Paul in Dutchess County, New York. Paul, your thoughts real quick. Evening, Rita. First off, I'd like to say I think that we got a greater chance of Jim Psaki going to confession than all the Pope allowing fighter jets on Vatican lands. Yeah, I agree. He's not going to want to get into that, but I agree with you on that part. I I like the idea of him maybe bringing the parties together to talk. Um, But but where do you see it going, Paul? I I think we have a practical solution. Based on what what I've been hearing from these um, people who really know the game, what we do is we work diplomacy while waging a covert war. Continue to provide weapons. Send in special operation units into the country to provide tactical support that can mix in with the population while maintaining plausible deniability. Yeah, I, I like tactics, that. 
I agree. We have to fight fire with fire and sneak that stuff in. Uh, Paul, great. I absolutely agree. Let's go to David in San Diego. Real quick, David, your thoughts. Hey, David, go ahead. Can you hear me? Hi, Rita. I think it's ironic that the United States sits on its hands when for the first time in 75 years we have a nation that would welcome our military intervention because that hasn't happened since Europe and World War II. Even when I was in Korea 40 years ago, I was appreciated, but I was never welcomed. And our efforts in Grenada and in Kuwait, they were appreciated, but we certainly weren't welcome there. Ukraine would welcome us. Yeah, and by the way, not only welcome, they are begging, begging for us. Absolutely. Real quick, let's go to Lamar in North Carolina. Lamar, just a few seconds. Real quick, your thoughts. Lamar, I lost you there. Shoot, in North Carolina. I used to work in North Carolina. I love North Carolina. Everybody, we are going to continue, of course, later on this week and talk tomorrow, of course, with the latest developments on the war in Ukraine. Again, where is that 40-mile convoy? Satellite images are showing it has dispersed. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.